0: Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do it This is another episode of How the Grades Do it. We have Mark Wiley on the call and um, sales executive for the last 21 years in tech. It's not something we usually see. somebody that's worked in the tech industry for so long and had such a great
1: career. So Mark, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Oh, it's awesome to be on, you know, it's, it's, it's a trip to hear 21 years, right? Um, I graduated college three months after September 11th. Wow. Right. So you can imagine that, you know, I had all these big ideas of, of what sales career I would go Uh into and it was medical device, and it was all of these big, sexy, you know, positions. And I ended up landing uh, with Nextel Communications and little did I know that that job steered me down the path towards business problems, business outcomes, all based around technology solutions. And, you know, it's, it's been my career in the technology industry have both grown together, yeah. which has been really exciting to be a part of.
0: I'm sure that's been a fun transition to see as you grew in your position, like tech grew. And um, and the available positions and just, you know, the the environment of the industry, right? Like everyone had to level up as all the other companies
1: were leveling up around. I love that term leveling up because that's exactly what it is, because it doesn't stop. Yeah. Right. It's it's, you know. Leveling up aligns right with another amazing phrase in our business, which is water seeks its own level. Right. So as things keep rising, we have to rise with it. You know, when I first got in the tech, when I first was working for Nextel, we were selling products to a total greenfield environment. No one had it, mm-hmm. right? So what we were at our core were educators back then. So as a sales professional, what we were doing was educating people on the product because they didn't have an education. They didn't have experience. Right. But then throughout the evolution of this business, it's changed to where we're replacing something that's already in there so by leveling up as you said that's how you remain relevant and that's how you remain successful
0: yeah i know that totally makes sense man i'd love to hear a little bit about how you landed into sales you know a lot of times there's a negative connotation when it comes to sales in general right you think when people hear sales they think of car salesmen right like not necessarily an educator or someone that's trying to solve problems and that's the way that i think about it but i would love to hear about how you got into your first sales role and was there somebody that like helped lead you into that position or um, was it, you know, just organic? Like you
1: always knew you wanted to be a sales guy. So I didn't always, well, I always knew I'd probably be pretty good at it, yeah. right? So, um, you know, cause I enjoy people, but at my core, I'm an introvert, right? So I'm an introvert with extrovert tendencies. So if you really ask me what an ideal Friday looks like, <laughs> it's one it's another son to the right. It's another son sitting on the floor, and my wife and my two dogs. Love that, right? That's a right. But what ended up happening was, like I said, I graduated three months after September 11th. The job market fell apart, right? And it was really bleak. It was also about 12 months after the dot com crash. So the only real industries that were really looking to hire were looking to hire um, within the wireless space Got and it. cell phones. And here I am with a bachelor's degree in business, a bachelor's degree in psychology, and I felt like a loser working for a cell phone company. Yeah. And it was just through that, you know, putting the ego aside, putting this whole definition of who I thought I was aside, and just going out every day and doing a job and taking, taking lessons. You know, my first manager was a woman, Linda Landy. <clears throat> you know, she was absolutely spectacular. She, what she taught was work. Yeah. She said, this is an eight to 10 hour a day job that you show up and you make the calls. And what she also taught me was sales is never about the ink. It's always about the phone call that sets the first appointment. And it was that lesson that I was able to take with me throughout my career. And the longer I'm in this business, the more I realize your money is in that cold call your money is in that first appointment. Yeah, It's never reliable in the ink.
0: No, I love that. I'd love to hear about <clears throat> how you made the transition from producer to to leader, right? Because, you know, a lot of times people automatically assume that your top producers automatically become leaders. And most of the time, what I found is your top, your number one salesperson isn't a great leader. You know, they, they, the skills do not translate and, you know, you sometimes get thrown into a leadership role to start out with, I know I did. And I said, hold up. I don't know if I'm gonna be good at this. I don't play well with others. And I had to figure out a different skill set." So I'd love to hear um, how you made that transition.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question. So first things first, I gotta say, I was never the, I was never the um, 300% rep, right? I wasn't, you know, my philosophy back through sports through college, my whole life has been, um, I'm not smarter than you. I will just outwork you. Love that, right? And that has always been the core of 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 the nucleus of who I am, right? So I was never the 300 percent year over year rep. What I was is I gave you everything for as long and as long as I had to until the result. So. What landed me in my first management role, because I wouldn't call it a leadership role yet. Yeah, my okay. first management role was a connection. A mentor of mine, right, from a job eight years prior. <laughs> Here is about here's about a sales management role, you know, managing hunters, managing, you know, aggressive go-getters, knocking door to door, selling on net fiber. And he's like, Listen, you gotta talk to this guy Wiley. You know, he is you know because my principles are attitude, activity and accountability.
0: Love that. Right? Okay?
1: Have the right have the right attitude every day. Have to. Have the right attitude doing the work every day. Having the right attitude doing the work every day and owning the outcome, good or bad. Outcomes have no emotion. Yeah. They're just an outcome and you to own it. And Mark knew that and he introduced me to a guy um Dan and, um, I, I landed in my first management job pretty much based on the, I call it triple a, right.
0: Okay. All right. And, you know, talk to me about how you, um, are always like, like when you first come into a role, I think it's super important to under, like understand the land, landscape and take an evaluation. Like, how do you do that when you first come into, you know, a new role, managing a new team, you know, you're trying to get your grasp or your, your handle on everything, but you're also trying to. I think, you know, at the end of the day, executive leadership team expects results and they expect them quickly. And so, you know, you've done this multiple times over your career where you've gone to a new organization. You know, can you help us walk us through, like, what's the timeline that they should figure out and figure out to make changes? And then, like, how do you make changes in a way that doesn't
1: affect or give you a negative impact towards the team? So that's, there's so many layers in that conversation, right? So the first layer would be, how do I approach into a new organization? Yeah. And what I, what I always do is I picture myself walking above the floor, observing. Yeah. Bird's eye view. Yeah. Right. Looking to see, you know, who the leaders on the floor are, right? Right. Because leadership is something that's, that's, that's granted. Yeah. It's not taken. Right. So, so you'll see who the floor is leading to, right. Who the floor looks to. Yeah. Then sort of assess. The next thing I do is assess, you know, the individual people as individuals, right. So always in the very beginning, that's where the one-on-ones are weekly and they're always an hour. And very, very rarely are they about numbers. What they are, they're about relationship, understanding, knowledge, right? Really starting to bridge that knowledge gap of not knowing you to knowing you Mm -hmm. and bridging it. Then, and this is the hard reality, not everyone, especially when you're assuming a team, not everyone belongs there, right? Yeah. So the first thing, so so once you get to that point, what I do is will versus skill, right? Do they want to be here and they just don't know how? Yeah. That is a problem over here that I can work with. Absolutely. Do they know how, but they don't want to be here? That's a whole other segment. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then from there, from and this is experiential, and this is the hardest thing. Um, for new managers to come into is the decisiveness of making that decision quick.
0: Yeah. You know, right. It's funny, right? Like it only takes one person to bring an entire team down, no matter how big the team is, you know, that one piece of negative person that, you know, has the ability, especially when they have the ability, but don't want to be there. Right. That that can really tank a whole entire team's morale, especially as they, you know, a lot of times there's negative emotions built towards that person because they have the ability and maybe someone doesn't have as much of an ability, right? Like we can teach ability. We can't teach the willingness
1: Absolutely. or like, you know, the grit factor. You, you can't teach that. No, you can't. And, you know, and, you, and you're you never able to instill it. So if it's a will issue, right? From there, then it comes. And, and here's here's where that decision gets very easy. Yeah. Is it a will because the right actor wrong role? Mm. Right? Imagine Steve Carell, right, playing, you know, um, De Niro's role in Goodfellas. <laughs> Wouldn't work. Doesn't Yeah, work. it doesn't work. Right? So so it's not that Carell's not awesome. He is just terrific. Yeah. He's not right for that role. So so maybe that will is because it's the right actor, wrong role. No, I love that. Right. And then you and then you start you start on that path, right? You start talking to the to the marketing team, you start talking to the engineering group, you start talking to your operations team. But then the other side is it's someone whose why statement does not align to the role. And and then from there, you know, you, you start that conversation.
0: Yeah. And so finding out that person's why is probably why you spend so much time at the beginning, getting to know them, building trust, understanding the individual. And that way you can make that, that determinant very quickly. Right. I, I think people, people can't fake their why. Right. Especially when you're having a really transparent conversation, right? Like either they know it or they don't. And, um, I think that makes our, our decision as leaders a lot easier. Um, because most, most salespeople, right? Like they wear their hearts on their sleeves. Like they're out there. they, you know, they don't do a great job at hiding it. They
1: don't. And and I also think, you know, it, we are trained into a particular why statement that everyone gives as they meet new people within an organization. What's your why statement? My three kids and my wife and my dogs <laughs> and the fact that I live in Hermosa Beach. Yeah. That's my why statement. My wife's th- And here's the truth of it. My why statement, as it per- as it pertains to my career has nothing to do with my children and my family. If I am penniless broke and living in the middle of the Mojave Desert in a shack with my three children, my wife, and my dogs, I guarantee every morning when my children wake up and I'm sitting downstairs having coffee, they're going to be happy and still in love with their father. Has nothing to do with where we live or the money I make or the success that I have. Yeah. So that's not my why statement, even though in these big kickoff meetings, right, everyone says that's what it is. My why statement as it comes to being a professional is being impactful. My why statement is I want to help people achieve what they don't believe they can, but that they really want. Yeah. Whether that's an organization getting to a billion dollars in revenue, whether that's whether that's a sales rep moving into management, whether that's a sales rep getting a degree to become an artist. There you go. Whatever that may look like, I want to be a facilitator of that impact, right? And the way you get to that, truthfully, is in those one-on-ones and through honest dialogue and listening, listening and retaining and remembering, and then you help to guide their why statement with them. Yeah. Versus just writing it down on a piece of paper and moving on from. I think that's
0: something like that's super interesting, right? Because as you think about, I think about all the salespeople that i worked with in my career, and a lot of them didn't have a why statement when they first came in, and working with them to understand and find that why, right? Because then, then you're able to ask a lot more out of that person and and get them to buy into, you know, the Kool Aid, you know, drink the Kool Aid, if you will, um, because. Every time you're going into a new organization, it's important that they they buy into what you're trying to sell. And so how do you do that when you go into a new organization to get them to drink the Kool-Aid, if you will, or to help them maybe find their why? And maybe those are two different two different questions or scenarios
1: there. I'll be honest, I think both of them lead up to the single point of discipline. Right. Discipline will outwin motivation and inspiration every any day of the week. Right. If I am disciplined, I don't need daily motivation or inspiration Yeah. because that that discipline will get me through the lack of motivation and lack of inspiration. Absolutely. So the first thing that you have to do is establish the cadence about the organization that they're a part of. And the truth, this is the difference between this is when you start moving from manager to leader. Is when you start building your own personal culture within your organization that aligns to the organization's culture, the organization's goals, but then pertains to the people who you're responsible to. Mm -hmm. And then you establish that and then you build out the cadence, right? You build out the KPIs and then what they then do through daily, weekly, and monthly tracking, that establishes the discipline. Yeah. You know, right?
0: I think, right, like – Finding somebody that's willing to give a hundred percent every single day is a rare breed. Like you, you, you talked about this, and I'm one of those people, and I, I'm guilty of it, right? Like I will give one hundred percent every single day until I'm like dropped dead on the floor. Um, like I have to be number one, and but I think there's a lot of salespeople, especially today, that aren't necessarily in that same mindset. Like, how do you? And and I think also it's important, right, as us as leaders to not necessarily put put that like I I always said for me it was to be number one was an insecurity like if I wasn't number one then I would just work way more than everybody else so that I could become number one it was um, to a point where it was an insecurity to not if I wasn't number one then it was like something's wrong with me so I never put that on other people to be like you have to be number one like no you have to hit your sales KPIs but like let me lead you to your why and and you know my why is different than your why, but to circle that back around, right? Like you said, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to work hard and you made sure that you hit your number, right? You weren't the number, the guy that hit 300%, but you were always at a hundred. Like, how do you make sure or build that determination into somebody
1: or can you? You don't. So it starts with will versus skill, right? Yeah. <clears throat> That's where it starts, right? So it's why you need to be decisive up front, right? Because right? you got to make sure that, that you have the team that's in place. But here's yeah. the other part. And this is, this is a truth that many sales leaders don't like to talk about at the leadership table. <laughs> I will take a team of 80 percenters. I will take consistent mediocrity over inconsistent brilliance any day of the week. That. I will take. I mean, if I could have a team full of eighty-five percenters, yeah. My organization is going to grow yep. year over year over year over year. If I have inconsistent brilliance, nothing that I do is predictable, forecastable, or long-term achievable. Yeah. So, and I think that's the other part, right? And here's the facts, right? You're in your role. I'm in my role, and. There are people that aspire and they move up and they keep growing. That is a personal drive. 100%. That is that is the Achiever drive, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a huge Strength Finders fan, right? Like, a, just a massive fan of that book. And, you know, top five of mine is Achiever. It's just right there. <clears throat> they tend to run businesses and run organizations. Yeah. They do. So... You know, I don't know if that answers the question to it. It's it's it being does. decisive up front, right? Yeah. It's being decisive up front. It's then establishing your organization's culture and then KPIing it daily, weekly, and monthly, which then establishes the discipline, which is routine. Discipline and routine to me are interchangeable.
0: Yeah, that totally
1: makes sense. And then, and then from there, that's just – that's just where you get your consistent growth.
0: And and how do you right like I think as I look for new reps that work under me, right like I look for really two things, right like I look for the grit mentality and I look for coachability. Like you know, the skills, right? I can teach the skills and the art um behind sales and 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 making somebody a great sales rep. You know, how do you identify when, as you're interviewing somebody, that, that grit or that determination factor, because a lot of times it's difficult to find.
1: So you're, <laughs> you're spot on. That's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. What I found is I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for honesty mm. from the individual because everyone's going to show up in an interview and the interview, they want the job. Whether it's because they're unemployed or they're underperform per- or they're under underemployed, whatever the reason is, they're there because they want the job, especially in sales. So what I'm really looking for isn't what they're saying, but the validity of what they're saying. Mm. Maybe some. So I'm some bubble pie.
0: You're you're looking for them to just give give it to you straight.
1: Give it to them straight. The first thing I said to you is I wasn't a 300 percenter.
0: And you don't hear, yeah, you you know, you always, you you think, right, like you look at somebody's resume and you're like, come on, like, this is a lot.
1: I had a, I had a person come in for an interview (laughs) saying that they, you know, over the course of three years, over $850,000, right? Over the course of three years. Yeah. And they sit down with me and after they gave me their sales pitch for 45 minutes, you know, I told them directly, I said, I don't see $850,000. I said I see a really nice watch, a really nice Citizen watch. You know that's about three hundred bucks. I I see your Nissan, nice car, right? And I went through what I saw. Yeah. And he didn't have an answer because there could have been an answer. Maybe maybe he's got seven hundred thousand dollars sitting in Bitcoin somewhere, but that's not what he said. Right, 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 right. right. I think you know. So I'm, I'm I'm in for the validity.
0: That's funny, right? Like. Uh, as salespeople, right? I think we're really good at cutting through the BS and under and you being able to read people. And you know, a lot of times it's not about what you say; it's about how you respond. Um, spot on. When, when in a difficult position. Well, I'm going to transition a little bit, right? Like, I'd love to get to sales techniques. <clears throat> like, are there any you know cutting edge sales sales techniques that you're doing that you found really effective? Because you know, let's be honest, right? The way we were selling 10 years ago is not the way that we're selling um, today.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it in the head. And, you know, I had opened up and said, when I came into the business, what we were, we're educators. Yeah. Right? So what we were doing was selling technology in the greenfield. Right? No one had it. So today, what do we have? We have YouTube. Right?
0: hmm
1: I will tell you, 100% of the time that we enter into a sales call, they are already 70% through their evaluation process. Which is wild. Right? So what? It, it's crazy, right? And it's especially in technical sales. So what we actually become are relationship managers and facilitators. And what we need to and, – and that's the differentiator. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, the, the art of the – you know, I just heard Simon Sinek talk about relationships, right? And it was brilliant. And I downloaded it onto my phone and I sent it out to some people. Yeah relationships are more paramount today in this current environment than they were 20 years ago. 20 years ago, what you wanted to prove was that you were the expert. Mm -hmm. Today, what you need to prove is that you're not going to get them fired.
0: (laughs) Very true, right? it's somebody's jobs online. If, if they acquire a tech and it doesn't work the way they said, you know, the way that it was acquired to do or solve, fix the problem that it was going to do, right? Like that person's job's on the line, hundred percent.
1: It is. I, you know, as you move up the stack, right? So a typical IT director is probably making 150, $200,000 a year, yeah. $125,000 a year. Right. So as you move up that stack, there's less and less and less and less and less and less, and less of those roles in the market. In Los Angeles, one of the largest markets in the United States, do a LinkedIn search on director of IT positions in this market. So the number one thing that individual cannot afford is to lose their job over deciding to pick you. Sure. Sure. So that's relationship. That's so what we build is that trust. Yeah. You know, it's that trust dance that we need to establish, which is. Being authentic, being transparent, right, being available—yeah—all of these soft skills. It's never been more important today to build that trusting relationship than ever in the history of selling.
0: Oh, I love that, and and I don't think that I think that rings true, especially now, right? Especially being in a down market, right? Like everybody's doing well when the market's killing it. Um, but yeah, that totally makes sense. Mint does your approach change when it comes to clients or like different industries that you're selling into?
1: No, because it's people, right? So my, my approach, people don't change. I mean, if you're, you know, if, if you're going into the entertainment industry and you're selling that person and on paper, we're like, Oh, he manages, she manages a $250 million a year budget. Yeah. And then you go into a legal with a small mom and pop legal firm and they manage a $1 million a year budget. Mm-hmm. What I'm selling them is the equal percentage of that budget, no matter who it is. Yeah. Which means on a percentage base, it is just as relevant <laughs> for both.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent.
1: So the risk statement on both positions is the same, right? The number one factor that kills deal deals is um, you don't effectively mitigate the risk. That is what kills a deal. Yeah. Right. Whether or not it's going to fix the problem, that's identified early. Whether or not you're the right solution for the problem, that's early. You get all the way to the end. Now everyone's time invested. Mm -hmm. Now everyone's got, you know, 50, 75, 250 hours invested in this project. Right. The reason that deal doesn't get done is because the fear, the risk, was not effectively mitigated.
0: And and how do you mitigate that risk where it's a no brainer for the company to move forward?
1: That is depend. That changes according to vertical and according to to client. Yeah, that totally. Makes you know, sense. Um, and it always comes down to listening.
0: Let's talk about like how you. And because you bring up listening, right? And I think that's one of the most underutilized skills by salespeople, right? Like they think they need to talk the entire time. Whereas, you know, if you're if you're talking twenty-five percent of the time and your client's speaking seventy-five percent of the time, especially in a discovery meeting, like that's probably spot on. Like you're doing your job of really great well. Like, how do you become that active best best in class listener? Um, and still be able to lead the
1: conversation in the way that you want it to go. So that's phenomenal. And this comes right down into what I teach. And I teach this all the way down to my children. Love it. Right. So everything I teach to my sales floor, everything I teach to my peers, everything I teach professionally, I teach at home. Yeah. Because it's all the same. And I have a line. I have it written down on walls everywhere. Right. Be interested, not interesting. Mm. Right. So be interested, be inquisitive. Yeah you're inquisitive, if you're interested, then you're focusing on them. And then that that conversation path unravels and unfolds itself very organically. If you're trying to be interesting, trust me, it's going to go the other direction. Absolutely. You're going to be doing all the talking, right? So fundamentally, a question in one-on-ones as we progress is always, were you interested or interesting? And prove it. 100% percent Right. Show me, show me the data that you, that you pulled from being interested because there should be a lot.
0: Yeah. Your node should be like this. Absolutely. You know, have you ever had, I think we maybe have all had them, but I'd love to hear is if, if you've had a sales rep that was really, you know, facing some challenges professionally, like were you able to bring, bring them back? And, and if you were, how were you able to do that?
1: think you know i i'd never done it as a sales manager or sales leader but i did it as a sales peer
0: interesting i've yeah that i think that'd be a fun story to hear about
1: yeah so i worked with this um with this person in a job and they were just putting zeros up every month yeah and they weren't transacting, right? And we were in a very strategic role, but it was strategic down to tactical, right? Got it. And I looked at their module, I looked at their accounts, and I was like, there's no way that they're not buying products from us, but they're calling it in or, you know, the revenue was hidden within the business itself, And this is where the understanding of systems and process and also, and I'll tie this in, this is where a lot of sellers who become managers and leaders, this is where they become successful is when they are extremely knowledgeable of the processes and of the operational flows. And through that, I was able to show this, this peer of mine where to capture revenue every single month. So they went from zero up to like 22% year to date within 90 days just by finding the revenue that was already there and capturing and flashing it into the books. So, um, but as a, as a manager, you know, I don't, I don't really, I I don't recall really any instance where I was able to really turn someone around. And there were a few instances where I really tried. Yeah. But it always came back. It always came back to will. No, nah,
0: that totally makes sense. You know, at the end of the day, you can't. You know, we can want it for them all. We, all, you know, with with our whole hearts, but we can't make them do the work, right? And at the end of the day, right? Like if they're not gonna do the work, the results won't come.
1: <clears throat> no, it is it totally is. It's 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 that will component that really factors in to the success of the job. Yeah.
0: The one thing that I love about your story as, you know, you helping another peer was, you know, when you talked about going into an organization and just watching the floor, like, you know, you were naturally becoming that leader that you knew you knew you were, right? And helping this person um, get closer to their goals, right? Like, and you didn't have to do that. So, but, but I love that, right? No, like it all connects.
1: Well, I, I think it's also... It's also part of the attribute that comes with people who want to be in management leadership. Yeah. is, And I think a lot of us lose it, right? So I've worked alongside. There was a portion of my career where I was the youngest by probably 20 years, wow. 25 years. and And what I lost from them, candidly, was what they had lost was the visibility of how to do the job. The, the actual tactical. Everyone wants to call themselves a leader. Yeah. When we, I challenge you to look on LinkedIn and type in sales leader, and then do a sales manager, and see see what the number difference is between those two titles. I guarantee the leader far outweighs it. And number one, I don't think that's authentic. You're. And two, you're probably right there. And it takes away the importance of the management, tactical execution of the job. You know, I heard a great quote and it is leadership is achieving success with the people and resources of an organization without compromising the integrity of the organization. That to me is leadership right management is just achieving the tactical success leadership is doing it without without compromising the integrity of the organization i love that
0: man you know i talked about a setback for a sales rep that you've had but i'd love to hear have you been maybe hit with a a setback in your career um and then you were able to kind of turn it around to like a valuable learning experience for yourself and you know, maybe help apply it later on.
1: Yeah, I've been hit with them professionally, personally, everything. So, you know, I, um, and what they've all taught me, by the way, so I'll I'll land on the lesson first, which is you never fail. You only learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the outcome statement, right? That's it. Um, I, I've been through 19 mergers and acquisitions over the course of 21 years. Wow. Right. In my space. I want to say six of them have been multi-billion dollars of those six. I was in leadership positions of four. Got it. Right. High risk yeah. and, yeah. and change, change management, change leadership. So I, I came into a new organization. I had a new leader and I wasn't his guy. Yeah. It just wasn't his guy. Yeah. And, you know, um, at first, I took it personal. At, at, at first, I was like a puppy dog, right? Sitting at the end of the bed, you know, trying to, trying to mm-hmm. wag my tail really hard. You know, show him that, you know, I'm here. Put me in, coach. Give me the ball. Yeah, right? give me a shot. And then, give me a shot, right? Yeah. And then what I did was take a step back and say, I don't need to be his guy. This is okay. He is okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with him and there's nothing wrong with me. Right. We're just two ships passing in the night. Right. So what I learned from that is how to self validate. Right. So what I learned, right. What made it not a failure because the numbers performance and there is, I could come up with reasons yeah, on why the numbers there. <laughs> right. But the facts are we're in a very quantitative business and the numbers weren't there. Right. So the lesson I learned, right, was that as long as I self-validate, as long as I know that I've done everything I can do, right? I've worked with people individually, I've put the progress in, I've done my job every day. Yeah. At the end of an eight, ten hour day, I feel successful. Then whatever anyone else's viewpoint is of me in that given moment does not matter i will respect it Mm -hmm. i will respect the organization i will respect the structure i will respect the professional integrity in which i i step into the job yeah but i don't seek outside validation and i learn that from that role i love that right so that's the lesson that that alone is what removes failure and makes it learning
0: that's great I love that I love how you were able to make, you know take maybe a negative right and turn it and flip it around and say look like learning moment here right man yeah um I'd love to hear is there any advice that you'd give to aspiring sales leaders um, who want to reach the top of the field maybe they're a bed level and they want to they want to move up the ranks
1: trust and transparency with who establish trust with everybody establish trust and be transparent and if you can't be transparent you need to sit back quietly in a room yeah and you have to contemplate on why you can't be transparent Or is your lack of transparency because you're rowing in a different direction in the organization is your lack of transparency because you don't have internal validation is your lack of transparency, whatever that lack of transparency is, you need to establish it because just like our prospects and just like our customers, fear is the number one killer of deals. It is the same way within internal organizations. Sure. Fear is the number one reason that people don't step into you. You scare them. And the reason you, don't, you the reason you scare them is they don't trust you and, and they don't feel like you're transparent to them.
0: And and how do you right? Like, let's say you've been at an organization, and and maybe you've built that trust, but like you're not haven't built that transparency in that, or maybe it, you you have the transparency, but you haven't built that trust. Like, how do you build that trust stronger with those internal leaders to be able to then move yourself up, right? Because a lot of times it's hard to like reach up, reach up. You can always reach down, but it's it's a lot of times it's difficult to get to get to the ear of the person that you need to.
1: Well sometimes you can't. Yeah. Right. So sometimes there's not an avenue there, right? Because of because of, you know, corporate structures and professional integrity and things along those lines. Sometimes it's just not there. Skip leveling sounds great in a book. Right. Yeah. Really, really, really not that great in an organization. Right? For sure. It's it's you know, there's landmines on that. Um, now, if you do have that avenue, if it is there, if it can be done, right, be interested, not interesting. Don't show up talking, talking about your successes. Don't talk, show up talking about what your team's doing. Show up asking about the strategic direction of the company, asking the the, the strategic roadblocks, road, roadblocks of the organization. Ask about. The strategic vision, you know, what's I I would push out to most employees that they don't know the five year business plan of the company that they're working for. And if they give you an answer, they're going to give you the answer that they think is true and they won't be able to quote anyone above them as to what that vision is. Ask it.
0: Yeah. I guess you don't know unless you ask, right? Like, and, and if you don't ask, you don't, you don't receive you know, it's always that seek seek to understand mentality.
1: 100%. And again, it comes back. And these are simple adages, right? It's like interested versus interesting. And and you can do that when you self-validate. When I'm showing in to a CEO conversation or, you know, a senior vice president conversation when I was a seller, right? A senior director conversation. Yeah. And And I am self-validated. I'm not selling me in that meeting yeah. <laughs> for sure there's no reason and there's no reason for that, so I don't do it right so so when I'm doing that, it's because I'm seeking something, and whenever we seek right it's not it's it's it, it that's not authentic, which isn't you're not gonna establish trust by being inauthentic no, it totally makes sense,
0: well man. We are coming to a close. Like, I'd love to know if there's any other um, any other topics or advice you'd like to share with the audience about sales, uh, or maybe about leadership, bro. Right? Like, because I think that there's a lot of people that call themselves leaders, right? But maybe not necessarily are leaders. They may be more of a manager.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing. And here's the other one, right? It comes back down to know your own skill set. There's nothing wrong with the manager.
0: Absolutely.
1: I will tell yeah. you, Linda Linda Landy was a manager. Yeah. And she was top three people I've ever worked for in my career. And what did she do? She made sure I was in the office every day at eight. She made sure that I made 65 phone calls every single day. <laughs> she made sure, right? Yeah. She made sure that I checked in with her three days a week whenever I ended a day on the road, right? She was a tactical executioner, right? And she's top three for me. And we need those people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So know who you are. Yeah. Be authentic in it. And if you want to grow, then seek the avenues of growth, right? So it's, you know, every day I start my day off and I read 10 pages of a book, right? Myself, personally, I don't – I can't produce – in my head so i don't read fiction well there you go right i just i don't see it yeah right i can't see it they're words so so self-help development books they, they they fit very well there and you know typically i read between 12 and 15 of them a year wow right i ask people all the time right about what they do and how they do it i'm very inquisitive i know that i do not know the answers Right. There is nothing about me that is perfect. The only thing perfect about me is my imperfections. That's it. And just continue to seek the growth. Right. That's it. And the final component is self-validate. That's the biggest for me over the course of the past probably five to seven years. That is the single biggest growth. That has impacted my life, both professionally and personally, the most is being able to self validate.
0: Yeah, I love that. Man, we appreciate you jumping on. This is another episode of How the Grades Do It. And um, man, you did not disappoint. So we appreciate you, Mark.